Greetings and welcome. I'm John Gibbons and this is Alchemy Radio, the home of the open mind. It's great to have your company, whether you're a long-term or a first-time listener, and we really hope you enjoy the show. We're free and on demand from iTunes and alchemyradio.net, and you can follow us and join the Alchemy community on Facebook and Twitter, so don't be shy about saying hello. We exist thanks to your kind donations, so a big thank you to everybody who does so via our website. We're completely non-profit and intend to stay that way. So, on to the show. Alchemy Radio. Our guest this week is Michael Craig. Michael is a writer, researcher and composer from England. He's involved in projects that seek to establish a more enlightened civilization in our world. And we're specifically discussing his first book, Secret Mars, The Alien Connection, which was published in 2013. Michael, you're very welcome to Alchemy Radio. How are you? Hello, John. Very well, thank you. I must say, Michael, I'm absolutely fascinated. I've always been fascinated by space and by what's going on out there in the uh, the outer reaches of what we think we know. Mm. Um, but Mars in particular is one that's always captured my, my fascination and attention for years and years. And of course, it's something that we have been told we know nothing about. So I'm really looking forward to this chat and to delve into some of the secrets that you've uncovered and to, uh, to, to really have a kind of an in-depth discussion about your work and your book. But before we do that, how did you get from where you were to where you are now? <laughs> With regards to this subject, um, pretty much back in around 94, I came across a video by probably what's called the most leading researcher into this subject, Richard C. Hoagland. You may have heard of him. Yeah. And he brought out two amazing videos. Back then it was videos, today of course DVD. Um, one was called The Terrestrial Connection which was his research and many other scientists as well who were studying an area on Mars called Cydonia where a thing called the face of Mars was found. And this is my first introduction to this, which is a potential artifact built by another civilization, which is astounding, you know. We should all be extremely interested in that. And his research showed that the space administration in America who were responsible for looking at Mars on behalf of humanity, we should say, did not seem to be at the least interested in this potential thing built by another civilization. I mean, mm. the first thing the human race wants to find out is if we're alone in the universe and if NASA are there to discover this information for us, you would think that they would leap onto a discovery like this and tell us all about it. But um, Hoagland and others realised that there was a restriction, or there seemed to be a restriction on the open-mindedness of scientists to really engage with something as unusual as this. Mm -hmm. they rather think it was just a hill or some geological explanation, and would not take it any further whatsoever. And so when I come across this information in this video, it was, I just could not believe it. I mean, in a rational sense, in a logical sense, I thought, what's wrong here? What is is their problem? Why is there a problem with this subject, extraterrestrial intelligence, something that's beyond this planet? And really, yeah, it began from there. And ever since I've read other people's materials, studied the photos come back from Mars over many years now. <clears throat> and um, my book basically is not so much my discovery of images. I've obviously thousands of people have been looking at these images from Mars for a long time now. Yeah. And they have a lot of time to find odd things and anomalies and whatever. So what I tried to do with this book was to bring them all together, the most interesting evidence, because I hadn't found a source of material that did that and really sort of slam it on the table, so to speak, and say, well, look, what's all this about? 
what, what's all this stuff on Mars? Where's it come from? And put it in a very concise way. So I'm looking at producing a concise, simple, rational argument to ask the scientists at NASA and pretty much the whole mainstream scientific world, what is this about? Can you tell us more about this? Are they simply rocks? And when you look at these images, you will see, well, they can't be rocks. There must be some other explanation. But it's a deafening silence on the subject. And this is what's baffled me and many other researchers since. I think the more deafening the silence, the more conspiracy that is likely to arise from it. Because Absolutely. let's face it, I mean, NASA claimed to be in the business of exploration and <laughs> inquisition and that kind of thing. Yet yeah, yeah. the way they're acting flies completely in the face of that when faced with... Let's face it, what could be the most amazing discovery of our time, or any time. You spoke briefly about the face on Mars there. One or two people will be familiar with it, one or two people won't. It's probably the most famous image from Mars. So with regard to anomalies, let's have a little chat about that first before we go into some of the less well-known ones, because I Mm -hmm. think it's, it's a good starting point for us. So what is the face on Mars? Is it a face? Could it be anything else? What's your stance on it? Well, like most people who come into this subject for the first time, this is the first introduction you get. You do any sort of web search on strange objects on Mars, and yeah, the face on Mars pops up. A lot of people looking for it. Personally, for myself, um, I don't think it's extremely strong evidence with regards to being made by another civilization. That's just my opinion based on what I've seen of it. Mm. If you were to take it into context by itself, I would have to say no, it's probably geological. However, this whole subject, you have to look at the big picture on Mars, and in particular this area called Cydonia, because there are several other fascinating objects all in the same locality, you know, within a few kilometres of each other. And it's this corroborative evidence which for me is much stronger. Therefore, I only take this face as being possibly artificial because there's this strange-looking five-sided pyramid a few kilometres to the southwest. And then further away, there's this strange glyph, which looks like a, I don't know what it is, but it looks like a number five. Extreme geometric angles, and um, they just look very, very unnatural. And having all this material in the same area, for me, strengthens the idea that that some some time in Mars's past, there was something going on here, something with intelligent design. So people can quite easily dismiss the face on Mars because taken by itself, it could very easily be a hill and just simply the result of geological processes. There are some elements in it which do give the idea that they may well be artificial. And for that reason, I'd probably accept it maybe 50-60% that it by itself you could say it possibly is artificial, but the much stronger evidence for me is taken into context with um, other objects in the same area. Mm. Okay, so with regard to some of the other pictures and some of the other anomalies, I've noticed from looking at the pictures that there's uh, there are quite a, quite a number of them that seem to be manufactured and straight lines and right angles mm, and th- these mm. kind of things all over the place that don't naturally occur in nature as we know it. So th- there's something a little bit different there and the reluctance of geologists to really apply their knowledge to the pictures coming back from Mars I think is is astonishing if there isn't some kind of, of, co- of a cover-up. So what do you think we could be looking at with some of these other lesser-known pictures? Well, the objects I like to focus on are pretty much what you're saying, um, things that we can more easily recognisable recognise from Earth. Um, pieces of mechanical debris, um, what looks like pieces of machines or spoke wheels, and and that's the general pitch you get of this evidence, particularly around place called Gusev Crater which the spirit lander went around and um, it's square boxes it's geometric angles like you say and putting it all together if you would take all the images that are most popular which have been seen by most people yeah you think it's a scattering of technological disaster some sort of crash explosion 
who knows what, but it's something that's been blasted or scattered in a vastly chaotic way on the surface of Mars. And we've only explored a tiny, tiny part of Mars so far. And yet these two or three rovers that have had cameras to be able to see this stuff, it's been everywhere. And so if we found that in just one small part of Mars, then you know, what's to say the whole planet? What what's exists over the whole planet? And so it opens up, it's a huge question. And um, for me, yeah, there's some sort of technological disaster happened on that planet. Now, for a while I thought, well, it's, it's possible that maybe some of this debris actually came from NASA's own spacecraft. Maybe some early emissions crash-landed or something, mm. or broke up, impacted the surface. If that were the case, they would have told us. Well, absolutely. They would have been the first ones to come out and tell us that. Unless, of course, it's a covert operation or something of that nature. So I, I have a feeling that if they start to engage with this material and really look at some of these objects, objects and begin a discussion about it I sense it's going to open a can of worms for them it's going to go so far that they say just keep a lid on it <laughs> that's the feeling I get otherwise you would have heard something I mean, these rovers are trundling along on Mars with their cameras looking at completely boring ordinary rocks going up with their microscopes and you know, cutting laser holes into them to study what's inside but they're completely ignoring the square metal box, or looks like a square metal box, a few yards away. They won't turn the rover around and go and look at it. Where's the curiosity? Where's the zeal? You know, where's the scientific curiosity to to know, to, to, just to find out what that is over there, a few yards away? If it looks like it, someone must be looking at these cameras and say, what the hell is that? Yeah. You know, if, if we are... If everybody else on Mars, uh, sorry, on the Earth, looking at these images on the internet are saying, what the hell is that? What are the scientists looking at? And perhaps who's telling them, well, never mind that, just keep carrying on. Yeah. It's weird. It it's really weird. flies in the face, I think, of natural human curiosity. Could you imagine being one of these guys who has control over rover or the cameras or whatever it might be and noticing these things? And even if somebody told me not to look at them, <laughs> How could you possibly resist? I know. It's very strange. I think that there must be some sort of scientific rigid mentality in that. If they've got geologists looking through these cameras, and only geologists, for example, mm. they're only going to look for rocks, and they're only going to put it in context that they can understand in their, you know, in their terms. But I, I can't believe they're going to be that, that simple-minded. Not to think, well, that's, I'm sure that's not a rock. And then the arse is boss, well, you know, what's that? Should we check into this further? Someone up the ladder is saying, no, it, it must be that way. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't like conspiracy theories, but because they're too easy. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know where else to go with this information. Well, but you've, you've contacted or attempted to contact NASA in the past with regard to this specific, um, the silence. And what were you met with? <laughs> well, I, met, I thought I'd, rather than dive straight in, I thought I'd just open the knock on the basic door, which everyone has access to, which is to email NASA, and they get thousands every day, obviously. Yeah. I thought, just, just do it straightforward. Dear NASA, please tell me what these seven images are, and I'll just pick seven of the most unusual things. Right. And I just got a generic reply. Um, it said something like, Dear Mr. Craig, thank you for um, pictures of these these rock images, something like that. These rock images. And we appreciate your concern in NASA. Need a few advertisements about um, how I can be informed or how I can sign up to NASA News, some reason things. If you want to learn about rocks. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no direct um, response to the pictures whatsoever. So I want to try, I'm not going to give up on this, I'm going to try a couple more direct avenues. I'm going to find out who actually operated the cameras on, mm. who took these pictures, maybe try and get to the scientists themselves. So what did you see? What's this? You were the one operating the camera. But I suspect they'll say, oh, NASA scientists don't discuss images with the public or some nonsense like that. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll just go step by step and 
see what happens. Right, so I mean, unquestionably at this point, we're dealing with some kind of um, blurring of images or obfuscation or whatever it might be. Um, so the question then, I suppose, is what and why? So you've delved into this in great detail and um, you, you've, you've speculated and you've given lots of facts and you've drawn people's attention to evidence and this kind of thing. But one of the big ones, I think, is Mars. We always hear about the the search for water on Mars and mm. I suppose to a, letter, a lesser extent on the moon. Is there any evidence, apart from what Time magazine will occasionally tell us about a, a possible droplet that returns in a, a piece of rock, do you think there is any kind of concrete evidence for water on Mars existing now or in the past? Well, without doubt, water exists now. The question is just what state it's in. Every scientist will tell you there's water on Mars, and they know it. Um, Most of it's frozen, of course. Um, But every summer and spring, there's always a layer of ice which melts on many many craters. And I'm not not a geologist, I don't know how to explain this in terms the scientists would... (laughs) Would appreciate but there's a huge amount of water on Mars it's all frozen most of it but some of it is always melting and there's lots of um, what have been called dark streaks running down the sides of craters mm. they said it was soil landslides but anyone can see that there's a liquid involved here you just got to look at it and the way it it comes down the slope and there's thousands and thousands of these images now but yeah, the scientists will say that there is water on Mars. What they won't, what they will deny, is that there is any standing water on Mars. Okay. They say it's impossible. And if you look at the scientific facts, they're pretty much right because Mars is far too dry. Any standing water would just evaporate rigorously into the air, or if it's at a, a high altitude, which most of Mars will be. It would just boil away into the air. That's what happens to it. The only way you'll get standing water is very, very, very low areas where the pressure on Mars is low enough for water to exist in a state where it won't evaporate or boil away. Mm. And there's a few areas on Mars that could potentially have maybe small streams or rivers, but they're very rare. So on, a, on the whole, I would sort of go with the scientists on this one. There shouldn't be any rivers or lakes on Mars. But the images that I've shown in the book show that there is a potential for this. Um, Probably frozen water, maybe from some other age where whatever calamity hit Mars. If there were lakes and seas and rivers, then they may have been frozen pretty quickly. But there's also one other element on Mars. There's a lot of salt and... I kind of um, provoke things a little bit in the book, saying, well, we've got a lot of salt on Mars. Most people know that salt lowers the temperature at which water will freeze. And some of the NASA scientists confirm this. And so I think there's, there's potential in some locations on Mars that you will have liquid water, but it'd be extremely salty, maybe very, very thick, and I don't want to go much further than that because I don't have enough evidence. But I'm looking at potentials here. And yeah. the, but the biggest question for me is if they know there are some sites where there could be water and they've seen the evidence of sites where there almost certainly is water, why have they not landed there to explore it? Well, to me, that would seem the obvious thing to do straight away. Yeah. I mean, those... You said you've seen the photographs in the book about these dark streaks. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That is almost 100% water. It may have frozen or evaporated straight away on contact with the soil when it came out of wherever it came out of. But it would have left some trace in that, in that Martian soil. And I think there's a strong case for them simply landing a craft there and have a look at this stuff. And they've, all, they've expended all their efforts in looking for very ancient signs of water. You know, millions of years ago, there used to be a lake here, there used to be a river here. Yeah. They could be looking at current water now 
and I don't see any excuse for them not doing that. In a very brief time, we've already touched on two major things. If I was in charge of the exploration to Mars, we'd look at these, um, these anomalies on the surface level and on the ground. We'd have a look at those instead of looking at the more boring rocks. <laughs> and we'd have a look at these possible water sites because both of these, now maybe I'm putting two and two together and getting five, but both of these to me would suggest at least the possibility of some other life form that could exist now as opposed to even in the past. So... Let's have a look at some of the signs of life on Mars and what kind of life would we potentially be talking about then? Could it be amoebic life and not that interesting to a lot of people? Or could it be higher life forms? Because, I mean, certainly with regard to the photographs and some of the structural anomalies when we look at geology versus human or otherwise crafted Mm. objects. I think this merits further discussion because it's not going to be a single cell entity that would fashion, (laughs) um, I don't know, a H-shaped structure on the surface of Mars or something else like that. And we do see those pictures. So what are we talking about here, do you think, Michael? (sighs) Life is the domain of the astrobiologist in terms of what you've been describing at least on the microbiology level. So I'm not really qualified to go too much into that side of it. Mm. But they pretty much all agree that there must have been some primitive life at least millions of years ago. Of of that, I think there's no doubt. And most biologists on the Earth will accept that. It's just a matter of time before they discover it. But like you said, that's that's a, a lower form of life and not many people are too interested in that. As to higher life, if these are buildings and these are structures and they didn't come from crash NASA spacecraft, and the only logical explanation is that some civilized beings, you know, built these things. What else can you say? And so, yeah, um, there must have been some living, thinking beings at some stage in, on Mars. And But the question is, when and that's really hard to get around that question because the overriding scientific evidence pretty much shows that Mars has been barren for a really long time in many many millions of years but then we get some strange history from the Earth's mythological history and things which start throwing up questions that maybe Mars was actually destroyed a lot earlier maybe as few as 10, 12,000 years ago by some cosmic calamity. And this this stuff I'm just starting to look at now, but I don't know too much about it. It's thrown up another line of inquiry. Um, and there's other theories that Mars may have been the moon of a larger planet, like where the asteroid belt is now, mm-hmm. between Mars and Jupiter, and that Mars may have been virtually destroyed because of the destruction of that planet. And um, so there's a lot of possibilities. And the big question is, where did they go as well? I mean, if that planet was destroyed and there were living beings on it, yeah. then did they come to the Earth? Are we Martians? I mean, it throws up so many huge questions. And I think that's another reason why this subject is kept so quiet now. Because once they go down the road of talking about this stuff, then where will it end? Well, absolutely. And so many paradigms that exist, um, I suppose, to keep us under control at the moment with regard to uh, societal norms would be absolutely shattered. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of religion. Even if we discovered a small mouse running around Mars (laughs) or a, a colony of them or whatever, I mean... Doesn't that discount a huge amount of what religion tells us and what supposedly God or Allah or whoever else um, might teach? Uh, that That's an issue for the religions of the world. And mm. that can continue into so many other facets of society. So, I mean, the worst of all, I think, for the powers that be would if we were to discover that our ancestors actually came from Mars or another planet because everything we've been told is turned completely on its head then. And the last thing that anybody or any kind of control system wants, presumably, is for people to start asking questions. Mm, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there, really, John. Everything will be questioned, turned upside down. And that must be the heart of the problem. Everything points towards that. Because, like you said, I mean, your basic Christianity, and I'm no expert, I have to say, they all talk about 
everything happened on the earth mm. you know adam and eve and all that stuff um no religion has talked about any life beyond this planet but if we came from somewhere else then all the all the books would have to be rewritten I found it very interesting that I, I think it was the last Pope. He made a statement before his death. I'm open to correction on this. This is from memory. But I believe when he was questioned about the possibility of life on other planets or extraterrestrial life, he said something along the lines of, well, if there is life on other planets, well, then, of course, it would be respectful or would worship God just like it. It was almost, it was almost like <laughs> legitimizing the possibility that there could be some kind of disclosure at some point. But by God, the Catholic Church were going to stay a part of it you know it, it, it was like he created a reference point so the people couldn't yeah. question the church in future I just found it very very interesting considering the technological advances the technology is one thing I would like to talk about Michael because we're in an age where if the NSA or the CIA want to read the number plate on my car they can mm-hmm. do that from Langley in Virginia if they want to see what I'm eating for dinner probably six stories underground in a bunker they, could, they, they can do that too so why are the pictures... Now, I know we're talking about another planet here, and I know it's a little bit further than America and Ireland or whatever, but why is it that the quality seems to be so bad when, with regard to any kind of footage that comes from space? It's like it hasn't improved since the very <laughs> first pictures were ever taken of space. That, to me, is an anomaly in itself. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, quite a few people have commented on that. They've um, apparently... you know. Cameras on the Curiosity spacecraft now, which landed on Mars in 2012, I think it was. Mm. That's supposed to be far more advanced than the previous cameras they use, but the quality has not improved one iota. No, I mean, I can take a better picture on my phone. Maybe the cameras themselves are very good, and someone is enjoying the detail on these pictures, but we're certainly not. And maybe that's just another, another one of those little things which we can point to as to well someone's if if it's too clear then too many people are going to find too much too quickly we've found a few bits and pieces of internet researchers and everybody involved in this subject but if the cameras were a lot better then maybe we'd find a hell of a lot more interesting stuff and so maybe they're just allowing this a level of technology for us to access but not too much too soon I get the feeling that some kind of disclosure is ongoing, but it's very, very strictly regulated. Okay. It's a time scale. And I'm a very impatient person when it comes to this sort of thing. <laughs> if, it, if, if there's truth out there about you know, where we've come from, what, why the human race exists, where, any question about life on other planets, other intelligences out there, and I want to know about it. Mm. And I'm sure most rational people will, because it will completely change your view of life and yourself and our relationship with the universe and whatever. If someone's sitting there on this, this information and saying, nope, they can't have it, well, for whatever reason, that is infuriating. And it's, I'm sure it's against the law. If we have a moral law on this planet, then that's certainly breaking it. And... Um, yeah, it's frustrating. And I think most people would concur with that view as well. We are curious beings, the human race. I mean, that, that's in our very nature. And I find it very, very difficult to think that just because these guys work in science or they're working for NASA or whatever, that they're not naturally curious or that they're not using the best technology available to them. I really believe that what you say is true when you speculate that it is more than likely the case that we're being drip fed little bits of information yes, that's, that's and we're only allowed to see a certain part of the jigsaw puzzle so we can't put all the pieces together and see the bigger picture I think unquestionably for me and it is a belief and maybe I shouldn't hold beliefs so so close to my heart but I really do believe that I think that's the case we've seen it so many times with different facets of society and with regard to for example military technology I mean why would it be any different with regard to space it's, uh, it's certainly in the interests of the powers that be to keep us in the dark and to have control over the information that we have access to. And I don't think this would be any different. There is something I wanted to talk about because your work was the first time I came across it. We've all heard about the man on the moon, but I had never heard about the man on Mars. So what can you tell us about him, Michael? 
Not a lot. It's not very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody hears yeah. about a man on Mars has to be interested, though. Yeah, it um, hit the internet a few years ago. Um, actually, it was more described as a mermaid. I, just, I gave it the wrong description. It looks more like a mermaid. Mm. But um, I looked at it very closely. I listened to what the scientists had to say. Now, this, where I go, you must take the science on board first because they know what they're doing most of the time. Yep. These are highly, highly trained people, specialists in their field. And so when this camera technician says, oh, that's just about five inches, three to four inches tall, you can't possibly be a big statue or anything, because they, they can measure the distance between the spacecraft and the ground and where this little thing was that was popping up. Okay. And people start saying, oh, that's a man. There's someone walking around four or five feet tall. You've got to rationalise these things. What I like to do is to take the science on board first and then see where they won't go, where they stop and say, oh, we're not looking any further at this. But um, no, I don't think that's very interesting at all. I looked in the area, the vicinity of where this little, odd little shape was, and there were similar outcrops of rock, which look not exactly the same, but the same kind of material. You yeah. can see that it, the weather may have fashioned it in that way. It's not, just not to say that it isn't a small statue or something, which given what we've found so far on Mars with um, mechanical debris and whatever, if there was a society, if there was a civilization living there, then why not? Pieces of art knocking about, destroyed. Maybe this is a small piece of that. But I didn't see enough evidence for myself that that was conclusively of that nature. And to be honest, that's pretty much why I asked the question, because one of the things I've been struck by in the book is that stance that you've taken, rather than it being a work of conspiracy. And we all know how dirty a word conspiracy has become, whether something is true or not. But you have actually taken a scientific standpoint. And I, li I like the way you've described it there. It's, it's where will they take us to and then stop? Because yeah. our quest for knowledge never stops as humans, and scientists presumably are the same thing. I mean, it's, it's the nature of their business, isn't it? Yeah, they what? must... They, look, to be scientists, they must be intensely curious. Now, with the, the limits of their field, of course, but you now they're there, that's what they want. They want to discover life or whatever interests them in their microscope. And, and you have to respect that. We have to respect that um, dedication. If you listen to these guys at NASA talking to scientists or whatever, they are incredible people. They are hugely enthusiastic about what they're doing. They love what they're doing. And so when we talk of conspiracies from NASA, we can't think of these, most of these guys who, and girls who work there. This, this, is, this is of a higher order. It's way up the chain. Someone is tapping into something which is somehow putting a filter over even the scientists that work there. It's the only explanation for all of this. And there's so many thousands of people involved in, in these spacecraft that go to Mars. Even to have a conspiracy is still hard to, to imagine because so many people are involved. But I don't know, I really don't know how they do it. It's still a, it's a tough one. But the fact is, it must be happening. Someone has worked out a way of taking pictures of this, these strange objects, perhaps studying it in secret when maybe the NASA guys have all gone to bed or something, um, and decide to keep it quiet for now. What interests me is why, if they are having an agenda of drip-feeding us information, Maybe in a few years' time, they might tell us a bit more. What is the end game? What picture are they eventually going to tell us? Are they trying to build up some false idea of um, what has actually happened on Mars and elsewhere in the solar system? With regards to intelligent life or other civilizations, I don't trust that part of it. If it's being kept quiet for so long, then they're trying to work out know how are we going to get how are we going to preserve our control mm. with this information somehow that's why i think it's very important to push this as hard as possible until they've got no choice but to tell us now 
if we just wait and wait and wait for them, then you're going to get a version of truth that may probably won't be the truth. Yeah, it'll be probably written by Rupert Murdoch or somebody like that, you know. But, <laughs> or the church. Or well, they're even worse again. But yeah. one of the things that fascinates me about it is why drip feed us anything at all at the moment? I mean, would it surely it would be easier for them to keep it completely hush-hush and say, right, our cameras don't work. We, yeah, we tried to go to Mars or the moon or wherever, yeah. but our cameras don't work, so we can't show you anything. Instead, they are putting enough... Could it be an arrogance? They're putting enough out there so that people like you and numerous others can put two and two together and start to come up with four as opposed to five or three. And You're on a really good point there. I think the only real answer to that is they're not all bad guys. There must be some genuine people out there who want this information out, mm. who want humanity to understand what's going on. And maybe at the moment the greater power and controls with those who don't. But uh, it's such on a huge scale now that they are able to put things out and to enable ordinary people to pick up on this stuff. I think it's a kind of information war, I would imagine. Yeah. But you have to believe there are good people out there who leak information, who are so frustrated with stupid, literally stupid things that are happening, that it's just too much for them. Mm. They have good hearts, good souls, they found important information, they want to share it. Scientists really want to share their discoveries. So I'm sure there's a hell of a lot of frustrated scientists out there as well. But for what fear of repu- losing their reputation or their jobs, I don't know how far it goes, or fear of peer review from other scientists don't want to look stupid. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on these people. So we have to give them some sort of leeway. And if they can leak stuff which they can't release themselves to people like myself and many other researchers, then maybe that's, what, that's what's happening. Maybe they were told not to release one image which has this little metal box on it, but someone did. Yeah, sure. And it got out and we found it. Maybe that kind of thing is going on. Yeah, because there is increasingly more and more stuff out there. I mean, not just with regard to Mars, but we, we had Marcus Allen speaking on the show not so long ago about the, the anomalies with the moon landing and the Apollo mm-hmm. missions, that kind of thing. And, I mean, there is potentially a link there <coughs> as well. But you, you speak about the frustration of scientists, and that leads on to a public frustration then as well, because, again, I'm, I'm harping on about curiosity, but people are extremely curious. And I do think most people want to know I mean if, if the news for example is bad and that there are I don't know killer aliens such as uh, in, in War of the Worlds or whatever up there I, I'd like to know about that just as much as if there were friendly or benign or even microbial beings up there I mean isn't that what humanity is supposed to do to explore and to try and figure out new things and it's just it's it's a very strange situation where we have an organization like NASA that claims to be there for the betterment of the human race and to discover mm-hmm. and to breach new frontiers for us, yet it acts in a completely anomalous manner. I mean, th- th- their actions seem to be the antithesis, bar when they send off a probe or whatever it might be. It's, it's the focus on the mundanity of it all, which I think turns a lot of people away from the science of space and that side of things, certainly younger people, and in, in my experience that would, would be the case. When I was very, very young, I was fascinated by, I'm still fascinated by space, but I mean I was really fascinated if anybody had asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, an astronaut. I want to go to the moon <laughs> or whatever it might be. And that slowly is kind of, it drained out of me as I realized, well, if I want to be an astronaut, I don't just get to go to the moon. I have to learn a lot about rocks and become a geologist first. And that didn't appeal to me or whatever, aviation, whatever it might be. And um, I, I think there's, there's certainly a personal frustration felt by people. And that's why I think a book such as yours, far from being the realm of conspiracy theory, and you do theorize in it, yes, but sure. it's based first and foremost on the science and what science exists and what science we do know about. And, the cutoff points are marked in certain places. I mean, we've already spoken about quite a number of the anomalies, particularly with regard to formations and the geology. But mm-hmm. there is much more that appears to either have happened or be happening up there. So tell us a little bit about your kind of your speculative theory on who the Martians may be, 
Were they up there in the past? Are they still up there now? What did happen to them? Uh, because I think that's what really fascinates people. The fact that there could be little green men or otherwise running around on Mars is really the crux of it for most people and their, their simple curiosity. So what's your theory on it? Because you've, you've got some good ones. Yeah, theories abound about that. It's where you want to draw your own line, really. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty, pretty certain that Mars used to be inhabited of that, there's no doubt, for my mind, and the evidence I've seen. I did speculate in the book that because Mars seemed to have been dis- in a very an uninhabitable state for a very long time, for most of its geological time, that perhaps the planet was visited, colonised by some... Ex- race exploring from another star system we don't have to because the biggest argument you get from scientists old life could not have evolved on mars because there wasn't enough time for it to evolve right therefore logically no intelligent life could have evolved and built a civilization so I thought, okay that's fair enough up to a point and then i thought about actually that's when i brought the ufo situation into it because this whole subject you really can't look at it without considering the huge mass of evidence for extraterrestrial civilizations visiting the Earth, yeah. which appears they've been doing it for decades, if not far, far longer, for whatever purpose. And as far as I'm, re- I'm concerned, that is pretty much 100% reality. And I feel the whole subject of exploring Mars and the secrets on Mars and elsewhere in the solar system is all tied with this. They won't, they won't look at the evidence for extraterrestrial craft visiting the Earth or engaging humanity. In fact, the scientists are not even allowed to consider it as a scientific subject. It's um, nothing that can be peer-reviewed, as far as I can see. Yeah. So therefore, they won't touch. It's like a hot potato. You've got this massive, huge wealth of evidence now, stretching over decades of airline pilots. You've got highly trained people who we trust with their lives every day who have seen these things, and that does not normally fly in our skies. And the evidence of craft landing and beings coming out, and oh, it's just huge, it's huge. And no rational person can look at that evidence and... And denied exists, which is, but that's what's happened. NASA and every government organization, pretty much on the earth, scientific institutions, so there is no evidence. Absolute, incredible, stupid nonsense. And until they engage with this extraterrestrial question that's visiting the earth, they are certainly not going to say anything about Mars. Yeah. Because it's all linked together, it must be. So this is where I am, really. I'm trying to understand what level of civilizations are engaged in humanity now, why they're here, for what purpose. If they were here to destroy us, they would have done it a long time ago. I think so, yeah. Because <laughs> they certainly have the technology if they can travel between stars. And... Um, so the big picture is what concerns me here. Um, like I say, I don't think we can really understand the whole picture until we embrace the reality of extraterrestrials visiting the Earth. And as soon as science touches that subject, then everything to do with Mars and elsewhere will be revealed. It is a source of frustration. It's not even necessarily denied. It's just a wall of silence that has met. Yeah. You can't disseminate information if there's no information. And <laughs> I think that's where the conspiracy theory label is just bandied about at will. And I mean, everything is papered over with this, this, this common perception of what a conspiracy theory is now, which is actually, by and large, incorrect. And 
I think that's a far more successful cover than actually issuing some kind of denial or cover story because a lot of people don't believe authorities and don't believe their governments and I think if they were to suddenly deny it it would add a lot of fuel to the fire whereas mm. it's almost like they've let the, the stupid masses as we are perceived to kind of fight among themselves and things eventually fizzle out and that is what mm. happens people then decide right well I don't want to argue about this anymore and they divert their attention to whatever it is that they want to divert and tragically, we just believe what we see on the news. Well, that's it, you know, yeah. Every story that is ever talked about, the potential UFO sighting, you always get this ridiculous music playing in the background on X-Files or something, with the talk of little green men and yeah. spooky things going on. And the newsreaders always have a funny little smile on their face. And this is the thing we get in newspapers as well. Every time this subject comes up, you have to think, why? Is there anybody with a degree of common sense here? Yeah. Now, what's happened to our news media? There's been huge events over the last few years that have covered the UFO phenomena in a huge amount of detail. Those speakers with vast years of experience in the military and covert agencies all coming out wanting to reveal this stuff, but it's hardly got any mention at all in the in the um, international news news world. So again, conspiracy. I mean, a handful of people control these news organizations yeah so it won't take too much imagination to imagine those being controlled in some way well, i think there's absolutely no question about that even no that's really sad isn't it I mean, it, it freaks you out a little bit which is why most people just don't want to deal with it so, well that can't be the truth <coughs> who's controlling our news our tv no we live in a democracy mm, yeah yeah, it's back to the issue of the carefully constructed paradigm that has been created, I think, since birth for most of us. And yeah. I think that one of the reasons I started this show was to try for myself to unlearn a lot of what mm, had been shoved mm, down my throat yeah. in the past. And I think that's what we are kind of forced to do. And a book like yours certainly challenges so many accepted perceptions of what the world and our solar system and Mars in particular is about. And I think that's why it's such a healthy thing. And the, the way you have framed it and structured it based on science, which so many writings on Mars don't do. And I think that's where a lot of them fall down in that the science isn't actually researched and presented in the way it is with your work. That's why I think there's a huge amount of credibility when you decide to speculate on something or to theorize because it's based and rooted in a firm scientific bedrock. Well, I'm pleased you see it. That's a really important part of the book. But I'm not a scientist, so, you know, I don't have that background. But what I do have tried to, to achieve here is to just use our rational common sense. Mm. There's a hell of a lot of information out there. And if we just sit back and look at it, we can see things don't add up. And when they don't add up in your mind, you've got to you must be moved to do something about it. Yeah. Ignore it or take it further. And as you say unlearn all the I was going to say an expletive there well better not oh feel free all, all, we, we, all we don't censor that, all the stuff that we've accumulated over the years I'm going to need to get out of our heads for example you've got the US um, Office of Science and Technology which um, is run by the White House they made a statement a couple of years ago to the effect that there is no evidence whatsoever of an alien race having contacted the United States government. There's been no, there's no evidence of any life out there, no evidence of anything whatsoever to do with extraterrestrial beings. And in the same breath, you've got three or four, five, six, seven former NASA astronauts who have been out there in space. They know what's out there more than any of us. And they're saying, we were followed by intelligently controlled craft all the way to the moon before we landed. We talked about Apollo program back in the 70s. Yeah. And it's one story after the other. They all believe that there's extraterrestrial civilizations out there. They've seen evidence of it. And that is in complete contradiction to what NASA and their own government are saying. Now, that sheer contradiction is something which should make us wake up and think, what? How can they say one thing and they say the other? Now, either they've been given leave to say such things, which is part of that process of drip feed, perhaps. Yeah. Yep. 
all the astronauts themselves are fed up. They're getting older in their years. They, they're fed up of holding this truth back. They, they don't care anymore. So maybe they've been released from their oaths, military oaths they had while being astronauts. Mm. But, yeah. Well, I think it's very interesting that you touch on the military because um, we speculated earlier as to how such a, a cover-up that includes so many people can possibly be successful as a cover-up. But that's not necessarily taking into account the, the US, in particular the US military, but militaries around the world because... They are almost like a form of brotherhood or sisterhood. There, there is a code. There, there's a written and an unwritten code. And you really don't break that. It's seen as a sacred thing. And if you take an oath, it's potentially a treasonable offence in a lot of countries and states. But people in the military are not want necessarily to do it. They just It's not the done thing. And you mentioned they're releasing from the oath. I mean, that is really the only circumstance under which so many people will actually blow the whistle on something and, and that's why quite often it happens in later life or when people are on their deathbeds and I think that that again the, the deathbed confessions that we quite often hear in so many facets of uh, what it is we discuss on this program are quite often discounted by people because it's considered to be the mind of a raving lunatic or somebody who's about to die or whatever and I, I think that's quite a patronising collective yeah. attitude that yeah. we have towards people who are actually maybe see it as their only opportunity to yeah. get the information out there, you know? It's just pulling it all together, I think, is the, is the big issue. Yeah. Um, and what do we do with it? But you're doing something with your show now, you're getting all this information so that people can unlearn all the rubbish they've had in their mind and to see what's not being reported. And there's a huge amount of absolutely incredible information that's not being reported in the news or anywhere else, which can vastly change our view of life ourselves the universe and it's like we've got this straight jacket on yeah and people don't like that sort of stuff we're going to break out of it one way or the other um perhaps they found some way to lull the majority of people into a half sleep i don't know pressure them with money and debts yeah too much tv People just want to sit back, too much pressure, oh, just entertain me, you know, switch off. But it's, a lot of people are starting to see through that, and I just see it as a waking-up process. And I stopped watching the news about eight, nine months ago. Yeah. Of any any sort whatsoever. The world has gotten fine without me. I put the news I read is selective from the internet and other sources if I want to go looking for something. But haven't been unplugged from all that dire, dark, miserable stuff we get churned at us every day. I've felt a great deal of freedom to actually think for myself. Yeah. I thought I was a good. I was thought well before, but I thought a lot better <laughs> after I unplugged myself from the daily news. Try it. I recommend it. Oh well, I can fully relate to that. I did the same thing and. It Freedom is the right word for it. it. There is. There's a mental clarity that comes in time with that. And mm. I really believe that even if people aren't necessarily taking in all of the news that they're bombarded with on a daily basis, the sheer negativity of it all has to have even a subconscious effect on people. Mm. And I think it wears people down. And then they're looking for, for example, the, the light, more brain-dead forms of entertainment if you like I mean I, I don't use that word facetiously but that's where the I don't know the bread and circuses come in so you've got your X Factor television and your celebrity culture and people living vicariously through the lives of others the rich and famous and I mean that's at epidemic proportions now and I think it's, I think it's all tied in and when you do plug out as you have and as I have and many of listeners to this show have it's just, it's an empowerment and you can suddenly use your brain and your head and your thoughts and your mind and everything else in a way that you just couldn't in the past. It's a form of freedom and as you say, I mean, I'll fully concur, I would recommend it 100% for anybody. We don't need this nonsensical agenda-driven news that we're force-fed every single day of the week. Who needs to check the news? Why do you need to check the news? What's it mm. going to do for you? There's no positivity comes from it in my book. Well, the key word you said was John was um, negativity. Mm. The vast majority of news is, is of a negative nature. <clears throat> and once you plug it, unplug from that, you're going to release a lot of positive energy in yourself. 
And um, if there is an agenda behind this, and there must be, I would think, then changing the, the perhaps the polarity of the human race, as more people who unplug themselves from this become more positive, which will change the nature of the planets perhaps in some subtle ways, yeah. that will be the balance that will tip things back into a more sane future. And But the climate, as, as you say, is negative. It's too negative. And that's why um, people seem to be able to fall asleep in it too easily. Yeah, It's taken an effort now to actually get yourself out of it. But the more people that do it, I think it could just, well, I'm sure it will turn to a snowball. But you have to make an effort. Um, I think people are waking up to it. This information like this, whether it's from Mars or any other subject to do with suppression of truth and reality as to what we are as human beings, it's all empowering. It's all empowering. And we need to get that power back. I think so. And the, the main theme of this show is power. And I think there has to be personal responsibility. I think that's where, mm. where power comes into it the only power that we can have removed from us is that which we decide to cede to others I mean our power is our own it's our choice whether to give it away and I mean we do have distractions and we can be tricked and tempted into into ceding power to others but that is essentially what goes on and if we make the conscious decision to reclaim our power and take it back it doesn't mean that we have to go out and revolt on the streets and start killing people I mean that's not what we're talking about here at all it's about taking personal responsibility for ourselves and yeah. not, n not drifting along on the wave of negativity, be it in the media or celebrity culture, or these things that are not inherently good for us as human beings and as spiritual beings. It flies in the face of that, and I think it's, it's a distraction. And I fully agree with, with your sentiments on that. I'm, I'm fully on board with them. I think it's great. Taking responsibility is absolutely what it's about, John, for ourselves. I think what one once you take that step and you just awaken oh, it sounds like a grand term but your own destiny to, to direct the life that you want and um, once you set that light awake so to speak you can shine a light to other people I think it's that simple mm, I agree and I people see you they see what you're doing and um, yeah you've, you've got to do it yourself you've got to show who you are rather than being fed nonsense from other people, which just clouds up your your own version of vision of who you think you are. And that's, that's absolutely it. You just you just have to throw out all the garbage that you feel is within yourself, whether it comes from your own deep, dark thoughts or it's come from society. At some point, you've got to clear it out and say, well, who am I? What do I want? Go want to share with other people. What have I got to give? And it's all part of the same process. Everything we've talked about, I think it all comes back to ourselves and who we think we are, what we want to do, what we want to be. It's a good place to start to tie up our discussion, Michael. And but before, I, before I do, there are very few people who've done the amount of research and the amount of work on Mars specifically that you have. So... In a broad sense, and it might seem like a kind of a, a trivial question in the way that I present it, but I, I'm very interested. Do you think at the moment that there is intelligent life on Mars, and do you think that it is interacting with us in any way here on Earth? Or what are your thoughts on that? What is actually going on on Mars as we speak? And I mean, be as speculative as you like. Um, <laughs> what, what's your gut feeling on it? My gut feeling? I think <clears throat> Mars is possibly being used as a base. Okay. Um, whether this is really speculative, I think there's a possibility, however slim, that there is some some agency on this planet that may well have got to Mars physically mm -hmm. and set up a base there using covert technology. But absolutely no evidence of that, so but it's just a feeling. And the moon and other places I think they're if there are visitors to our solar system, and I'm quite certain there are, they will need bases and they will use the moon, uh, Mars, and any other world that's relatively close to the Earth. So, yeah, I don't, 
I think there's still a possibility that there may be some remains of the old civilization on Mars. And I have a feeling there are things underground, perhaps great caverns, and whether there's a possibility that maybe someone's still living there, the remains of their civilization, who decided not to leave the planet and go elsewhere. That's a bit fanciful. It kind of appeals to my romantic side. Yeah. But because um, I feel some sort of affinity with that planet, I'm not quite sure why yet, what happened to it. Mm. Um, but that's about as far as I'd go with that, speculatively. Well, for those who might like to speculate themselves, I recommend reading the book. It makes for fascinating reading. And, it, I mean, it's, it's the type of book that you can dip into little sections, you can look at the pictures, you can make up your own mind, and you can then examine the science that you've presented as well. I mean, there is something literally for everybody in there. I was, I, I was absolutely fascinated and continue to be by the book and the work that you do. It's called Secret Mars. How can people get their hands on it, Michael? Well, the easiest way is to just go to the website at secretmars.com. Um, you can buy it from Amazon in paperback form or in Kindle. Yeah, that's the simplest way to go. I'm looking forward to see what you've got up your sleeve next. So what, <laughs> is, what is the future plan, Michael? Oh, God. I really want to know who's visiting the Earth and why. That's, the, that's as far as I'll go with that. Well, I want you to be the first to come on and tell us about it on this show because I, <laughs> I, I, I really want to hear where your work goes. You're to be commended for the work that you are doing and the way that you're doing it, the way you're presenting it and that you're staying true both to yourself and also to the constructs that do help us technologically with science. There are a lot of people who kind of ignore that side of things, so fair play on that. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. And it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Michael. I have the power. You have the power. We have the power. Hopefully you will come back and speak to us again on Alchemy Radio. I'd love to. I'd love to. Thank you very much. Great talking to you. Take care. Alchemy Radio. Stacked with roses And wind and cars And people of the past I'll call you things Just when the moon sings And place your face in stone Upon a star And gripped in the arms of the changeless madman We'll dance our lives away in the bones of Mars You talk about day I'm talking about night time When monsters call out the names of men Bob didn't know I bet Adam Free did There are things in night That are better not to behold You dance With your lizard leather boots on And pull the strings that change The faces of men You dime on a proud head Got a gone gangster John Lennon knows your name And I've seen
enjoyed this week's episode of Alchemy Radio remember we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising free format and are extremely grateful for any help you can offer we put no fixed costs on your donations and every little help so for example if you could spare even the price of a cup of coffee every month it would go a long way towards keeping us afloat our donate button is on the website and your support and assistance is hugely appreciated so thank you to everybody who has donated over the last couple of weeks Our next guest is Barry Ahern and we'll be discussing the Enneagram so it's certainly something different to look forward to. Until then, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. Analyze. Alchemy Radio. Conceive. Alchemy Radio. Believe. Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in?